for tuning in to Organic Matters. Last week, I, I did my whole one portion of my show on bees. I'm just excited about bees. I've been interested in them way before I knew how valuable they were. But I did hesitate to do something that I decided I'm going to do this week. Bees are extremely important to our growing the foods we eat. There's a lot of foods we wouldn't have without them. But let's talk a little bit about other pollinators. Bees aren't the only pollinators. As a matter of fact, there are some pollinators that, and some plants that depend on other animals and insects, both, that bees are not a help with at all. So we're going to come up with five or six ways to attract pollinators to your garden, to your living area, while helping them, of course, they also can increase your yields. Over these past years, especially most recently, global diversity has been declining due to human activities. As a homesteader or as a gardener, I'm a gardener for sure, you have the control to bring back wildlife and boost pollination rates in your garden. So how are we going to attract these pollinators? And just really, why, why should we even worry about them? Without healthy pollination, you can't grow fruits and vegetables that rely on these creatures. Three quarters of the food we grow requires a pollinator of some kind. So let's learn how to improve pollination in your garden or at least in your whole yard and garden area. So just a quick answer to why pollination is important. Pollination is a vital part of plant reproduction. Most plants, not all, but most plants need pollinators like bats, bees, butterflies, moths, a bunch of beetles. Different, a lot of beetles did more than I even realized. And they're used to transfer pollen from male flowers to the stamens of the female plant. Incidentally, it's a mutually beneficial relationship because pollinators typically feed on the plant's pollen. So pollinators get a snack and the flowers get fertilized so they can reproduce. In spring, it's common to see those beautiful blossoms attracting the various pollinators. Pollinators wake up from their winter sleep to get to work on fruit trees and and all the spring flowers and everything else that comes out, almost always in the spring. The work continues into the summer as pollinators feed on summer blossoms. You've probably heard the buzz of bees as they reach their peak in midsummer. In fall and winter, pollination rates drop as these creatures kind of, kind of hunker down for the, for the winter. Committing to attracting pollinators takes kind of some of what of a year-round dedication. Yes, spring and summer are the active seasons, but you also want to provide winter protection so the pollinators will have somewhere to hibernate and make it through the winter. Of course, almost everybody knows the most popular pollinators are bees, but do you know all the other types of pollinators that could really help you? I'll just give you a little list. This is by all means, not all of them. Bats are very important in certain parts of the world and even in parts of our country. Butterflies, of course, you see those everywhere. The beetles are third in the list. People don't realize how important beetles. We always think of beetles as a bad guy. A number of the flies that you and I don't even notice, I'm not talking about house flies so much, but the forward flies are, are very important to certain flowers. Hummingbirds, of course, moths, of course, and at the bottom of the list, but very seriously needed in a lot of areas are wasp, which we have a tendency to always want to eliminate. And just to keep everything equal, the wind also plays a crucial role in pollinating a lot of garden. Wind pollination is common for trees, nuts, wildflowers, and a lot of grasses. But the rest of the plants, like veggies, berries, and ornamental flowers, need to attract pollinators if you're going to want them to reproduce. 
Now, how do we attract them? Many methods exist to, to try to attract more pollinators and keep the ones that are there, the existing ones in your garden alive. Without pollinators, many plants just would never get pollinated and wouldn't reproduce. That means fewer flowers and less food. When you lack pollinators, the only way to ensure that plants get pollinated is to do hand pollination. And in certain parts of the country, more and more that is going on. That is sort of a manual process where the male part of the pollen is transplanted to the female counterpart. The aim is to mimic nature and give it a helping hand to pollinate your plants. The exact process depends almost completely on the different species uh, as to how you will have to work with them to get that accomplished. And incidentally, I've done it, especially several m different years on squash, and it's slow and painstaking work. Let's attract pollinators to do the work for us. Here's a few ideas. First, let's talk about just creating housing. When they aren't sitting around, they're flitting around your garden. Pollinators need a place to live. Housing is a way to attract different pollinators. You can buy housings for bees and bats on the market. Uh, bat houses, bee houses are available, especially at the wild nature stores that have popped up everywhere, almost in all major cities, even some of the smaller towns. Or you can create the right environment in your garden for pollinators to have a place to hang out. Bees, butterflies, and moths might make their winter home in leaf litter, in garden beds, in the nests, in trees, under logs and rocks. This sounds counterintuitive, but don't rake up leaves or move logs and rocks during the winter and early spring to avoid disturbing hibernating pollinators. If you have uh, to prune your plants in winter, examine the structures for nest. If you see any, avoid trimming that area. And as much as is possible, avoid disturbing the soil in your garden during the winter and early spring. There's a lot of guys that are wintering over there you don't even realize. Next in line or in order probably would be to provide some water. You can create a bee waterer, actually bees, butterflies, and even certain other pollinators by just using a shallow saucer or, a, or even a small pot with stones in it for them to perch on. It's perfect for giving bees and other pollinators a place to drink, encouraging them to stay longer on your homestead instead of having to move on somewhere else just for water. And of course, your choice of flowering plants makes a lot of difference. Most of us grow things we want to eat, but we can also uh, think about the food for your friendly pollinators comes from juicy nectar where you live. So you kind of Think about what plants you're putting in and put in some, I call them companion plants. They won't harm your garden and they'll sure bring the good guys in better. Maybe we won't do it on this particular show, but there is actually guides to starting what's called a pollination garden area. You just consider a few different seeds and things you wouldn't ordinarily grow for yourself necessarily even eat. But it focuses on diversity and it gives a range of species uh, another choice and another reason to stay in your area. As you can imagine, highly fragrant plants are attractive, but having a variety of colors is also helpful if you want to attract pollinators. Plus, it'll make your garden look vibrant and lovely. Great mix. You know, pure vegetable gardens are beautiful, but I do a lot of mixed companion planting. Finally, plant of always with the seasons in mind. As seasons change, so do the pollinators, so do the pollinators' taste and needs. Therefore, having a mixture of perennials, annuals, early season plants, late season plants will give your garden the diversity it needs to keep, to keep your population of pollinators to, near you. Definitely choose some native flowers and plants 
when thinking about pollination. These plants have evolved with local pollinators, so native plants help to encourage native pollinators. That's what you need. In addition to native plants, though, there are some popular plants that we've naturalized, is the word I use, that we now know works well. In this area, bird of paradise, they love them. Chinese bellflowers, any of the fuchsias, things everybody always says, oh my gosh, no, goldenrod. But goldenrod in your fields and around you is very, very, uh, very, very helpful in keeping pollinators near you. Hyacinths, lavenders, mints. Grape hyacinth is one of my favorites. It's easy to grow and it really, really draws a bunch of interesting pollinators in. And those of you that do herbs, rosemary's great, sunflowers, thyme, all available and all really good in giving uh, your garden a diversity that will keep the pollinators at your place instead of moving on to someone else's. And at this part of the show, I'm going to emphasize something. Stop using pesticides if you want a garden and you want pollinators. It's anti-environmental and does very little good over the long run. You might cut the problem short for a while, but what you need to do is find the source of the problem. Studies show that about 60% decline in population happens when plants are exposed to pesticides. However, many gardeners continue using these chemicals without realizing not the danger just to the pollinators, but to other wildlife and not handled properly to you and your children and your pets. If you want a quick solution to the lack of pollinators in your garden, an excellent place to start is Quit using pesticides. There are alternatives. It may take a little bit more work. There's other crops you might be able to put in, but other approaches other than poison. It it takes a little bit more effort, but it pays off tenfold once you get it all figured out. And I mentioned this earlier. This sounds, again, it's okay to keep your garden a little messy. Keeping parts of your garden messy is another excellent way to attract pollinators. That means leaving leaves lay around and things. It always says, well, clean up, clean up. This might be a little bit more difficult if you're a gardener who likes to keep things outdoors super clean and tidy. But overall, it's actually good for the environment around you. But if you're willing to put up with some mess to boost pollination, then mess may very well be your best friend. The next time you see a clump of weeds, twigs, and other debris, think twice about just cutting it up, throwing it all away. Instead, you can try leaving them as a shelter for the bees and butterflies. If the space is natural and wild, it will feel welcoming to them. And I hate to use the word, but you'll get accustomed to it. I I like my, well, I always use this sentence, a, uh, a weed is just a flower in the wrong place. Think about that. Leaving the tall grass long is beneficial, providing ideal space for hiding and protecting most of all of our pollinators from the elements. And one more thing is if you have a space that it wouldn't bother you, leave some soil exposed. Why? Because some of our best pollinators uh, are solitary bees, and they nest in the ground. They need that open ground for laying eggs, for propagating, and in many cases to overwinter while still staying in your part of the world. They're right there when you need them, as soon as spring comes around. So just give it a thought this way. Pollinator gardens really are our future. As the world is experiencing more issues with climate change and pollinators are becoming more and more endangered, some places they've lost 90% of their bees, we must do our best to create safe environments for them. They are a part of the rich diversity of nature and necessary for your gardens as well as for our food crops 
really on a national basis. Green space is disappearing more and more every day. So carving out a little space and planting the right species of pollinators is a great way to improve your harvest and have a, I, I, I call it a more exciting, a, a, a more comfortable homestead for you to come back home to. Takes a little research to learn about your local native plants, and, and but you'll learn by start incorporating them into your garden. The wildlife will love it, and it gives you a chance to learn about new, exciting varietals of plants and animals. Attracting pollinators is easy when you know what to do. So pick out your flowers and make your pollinator-friendly spots somewhere in your yard. With a small or large piece of land, depending on what you have, you can start bringing more wildlife to your plants using just the thought of, hey, what would make my native pollinators a good place to live? Give it a try and see what happens. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters.